All right. The traditional beginning, Dan. I'm pouring. And you know my dodgy pouring reputation. Yeah, yeah, you need a flake for the top of yours because you always have so much cream at the top of it. But that, that looks like another dark beer on brand there, Gav. It is. I can see stout on the can, so I know it's a stout. Yes, and that, yeah. that voice is our guest tonight. Uh, yes, Dry Irish Stout from Midtown Brewing Company. And and yes, you heard a, I heard, heard you that but that you heard a third voice. That's Jeff Nesker from Waking the Red, and you have a quite a production for your beverage tonight. So you go before Dan. Well, I, I wanted to get to bring a Jupiler beer since we're talking about the Jupiler Pro League, but unfortunately they don't sell it in Canada. So I brought something out of my private stock. This is a Tilkins uh, Cassis. Uh, I'll use the Flemish production, so a Gerzer, and it's a fruit. Lambic sour beer. Dang. Very, very nice. I, I think uh, Jeffrey already wins the award for most interesting beer bought on the podcast. Yes. <laughs> so far. We'll see how far we can go with it. Cheers. Now, now the first the first pour never has a lot of critters in it, but you'll see how cloudy it gets. Looks good. Uh, on the second pour. Yeah. It's, a, it's a nice colour, though, that. It's a very nice colour. Yeah, yeah, now, yeah. I've got um, I've got to say, lads, I really, really need this beer. I've been painting all day. Uh, the window was south-facing, so I was getting that sun. I was sweating so much. And, you know, just before this podcast, a nectar lager jumps in the shower. And now here I am, you know, butt naked. Um, you know, <laughs> no, don't worry, listeners. I have got clothes and I'm wearing a Shrewsbury Town shirt. Um, but I, and nothing yeah, else but, on the uh, bottom. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm actually drinking something from my girlfriend's hometown of Sarnia. Um it's Refined Fool Brewing Company, and it's their Van Full of Weirdos Juicy IPA. Um, yeah, intri- I'm, I'm kind of intrigued about this. We'll see how it goes. Uh, no, no, no home brew this time, I'm afraid, Gav. I, I put on a, um, an IPA to brew. All, all you have to, all, it's, it's a bit redundant of a name. All you have to say is IPA, and you just assume it's a weirdo having it. No, 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 no. He's, the Juicy IPA is actually a, a, a style signifier, right? Oh, well, there you go. But just, yeah, the, it, just it, the van it, full of weirdos. You can assume that if you're having <laughs> an IPA, you're probably a weirdo. Now, Gav, I have a question about your beer. Now, that's a dry Irish stout, which means that it's in the style of Guinness, but there's no nitrous in the can. There is not. So, none. So how is that tasting? There's I mean, no downward the, the, cascade. It's, it's, I don't yeah, like the, it. The head looks, the head looks kind of creamy white, so it's not a Guinness foreign extra it's, stout. It's, not, which, it's uh, not an overpowering stout. I like it. It almost, it almost is verging on like a, like a, almost a dark lager. Almost, but it's, it's, it's light. Anyway, uh, we are going this time, this episode, we're going to Belgium, a country I've been to once briefly, not just a bit too briefly, but Jeff, you are uh, going to regale us with your time at Royal Antwerp FC in, uh, in the Flemish region of Belgium. So set, set us up for it. Why, why did you chose to go see a, a Royal Antwerp game? <laughs> well, it was my honeymoon, and it was actually... Uh... Almost two years. What's time anymore? It was in 20, 2019, so it was all, however many years ago that was. Um, the game was actually the 16th of May, 2019. And, uh, uh, you know, in all things, I have to give my wife some credit here because uh, not only did we get to go see a Barcelona game at, the, at Camp Nou uh, when we went to, to Barcelona at the beginning of our honeymoon, but she also allowed me to go see this, uh, this game in, in Antwerp. Uh, and she didn't have to. Uh, uh, I had I had three. I wanted to wear. This is this is the year that we got Pozuelo from uh, from Gank, 
and uh, they they weren't big fans of TFC. So I wanted to bring my TFC jersey and go to Genk and wear it and take a picture outside of, <laughs> of the stadium. Uh, Genk is kind of an industrial hell, and and the second that um, that I got uh, into Belgium and I told people my plans, they were like, "Yeah, we're glad you didn't bring your jersey and try to do that." So uh, so I, I managed two out of three. Um, now, uh, with respect to, to why we ended up at the uh, at the Antwerp versus Ghent game, and it was a playoff, first round playoff for the Jupiler Premier League. Uh, I want to say Jonathan David, but the reality is it was it happened the the dates aligned, so that was when we were able to get a game to get a game in. So did so did Jonathan David play there that day? Oh yeah, oh, oh yeah, and he scored a goal, and we weren't in the away fan section. Did, so we were already we were already foreigners in the extreme. Did and, you did uh, you try, he, did you he, keep a lid on things? I uh, I kept quite a lid on things because by that point we were scared out of our wits. So <laughs> and we were pretty close to the uh, to the away fan section, which in this stadium, which and I imagine is is the standard for a lot of European stadiums. You know the mesh covering for the away fan stadium, uh, and you know we were close enough that we could see all the shenanigans going on between the home fans and the away fans. Uh, so we were very, very quiet when, when Jonathan David scored. But, you know, I, I let out a bit of a yelp, certainly. Um, I think the only thing I forgot to mention is uh, I think I think you and I are the same. When we, if we had our druthers, uh, I don't like going to Paris and saying I've been to France. So if I, if I have the ability to go top to bottom, I do. And, and with Belgium, we did. We went top to bottom. Um, Unfortunately, Antwerp was one of the only cities that we didn't stay a night in. Uh, but we did, you know, we did get to see the huge uh, train station and uh, the, the jewelry section and had a nice round of beers at, at a really, really gorgeous uh, Belgian beer bar. And then, of course, dip the hoof over to, to the stadium. Um, let me set the tone a little bit better. So, first thing, getting to the stadium. Now, understand we'd already gone to, to Camp Nou, which is a palace and uh, was, was one of the most profoundly, uh, you know, come to Jesus moments. I mean, that, that stadium is just ridiculous and everything about it is, is terrific. I mean, right down to the fact that there's like a dedicated entrance and exit to almost every section. So the entry and the egress is very, it's, it's, it's unlike anything I've ever seen. There were so many people in there, but getting the, the actual crowd moving in and out was was really well done. I, I expected total chaos, and it, it just wasn't wasn't that. Now getting to the and I'm going to mangle the name, even though I, I have it on hand. Getting to the Busule Stadium, uh, you know, uh, it, there was no there there didn't. I'll use BMO as a as an example. There was no real rhyme or reason there was no logic to the way the crowd was moving it just seemed to be like a, a loose conglomeration of people in 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 fan gear so naturally i i walked up to the first official looking person and i, I you know i showed him the ticket and he said oh no you've got a you've got they, they weren't the most expensive seats in the world they weren't the cheapest seats in the world but they we certainly weren't living it up in a in a, a luxe and deluxe box and he said oh no you're on the wrong side of the stadium you got to go all the way around to the other side we we had gravitated to what looked like the you know a proper looking stadium that that <laughs> and then when we made the the trek to where we had to go it's almost like and i don't i don't want to speak for the stadium but but if you watch the video and i'm sure you'll you'll link to my to my little uh uh iphone uh, celebration of the experience but uh 
um, if you look from our perspective, if you look right, there's like a, a, a stand that's almost, uh, it's multi-level and it's got two median levels that are all press boxes and, and Lux and Deluxe. And then if you look to the left side of our view, it is Red Star Belgrade. Like it, it, it's a proper, you know, proper single tier. Um, and, and we were also on a single tier. So, you know, the corners were unfinished. I think the, the stadium maxed out at maybe 30K and I'm, I'm probably adding about five to 10 there. Uh, but, uh, you know, so we make the whole trek around and it's this long involved process and we're already confused. And, and, and then there's more confusion. So we have, you know, a printout that we had made and brought with us. But most people, and again, this is not the, the touristy part, this is the hardcore guys, uh, they've got cards to get through the, the turnstiles. So it, we're, we're like standing there like, what, what do we do? And because like, they, they're making it look so easy, they, like they've done it every day, they just walk through, they flash the card, and they go through this, you know, single person turnstile that's quite scary looking. And we have no idea what to do. So eventually we realize, oh, oh yeah, basically we've got to manhandle our printouts and get it down on that tiny little scanning surface and then, and then we'll get in. Uh, my wife had brought a purse with her. Huge no-no. She gets stopped right at, right at, right at, right when we get through the door. And they're like, uh, you can't bring that in. And, and you don't separate my wife from her purse. So she was, she was ready to like spend the whole game outside looking in. Or even worse, convince me to just veto the game altogether, which wasn't going to happen. So we ended up meeting a nice guy named, and I want to say Ivan, but I'm pro his name probably wasn't Ivan. Uh, big, big, tall guy, built like a brick. And, uh, uh, you know, he, he said, here's you. I, I'll be happy to look after your stuff, your stuff for you. So ostensibly what he wanted to do was take my wife's purse, give her a little, uh, uh, like, a... Um, cloakroom ticket to claim it later and Bob's your uncle I wish my wife Alicia hadn't seen where he was putting the purse because she was cool with it until she saw that it was basically just a little bin that he was sort of offhand looking at where he was putting everybody's valuables into she wasn't very comfortable with that anyway, she, but she's a good sport so she was, she was, willing, to, she was willing to go along I uh, wanted to buy some beer because who doesn't want a, a pint when you're, when you're in a, a footy state, a footy ground yeah, that was a little difficult. So you know those cards that everybody was using to get into the stadium? Well, they're also preloaded with, with cash so that they can purchase beer. So for someone that doesn't have one of those cards, it then becomes a, a, a game of multiplying zeros. You've got to get into the queue to buy the card and load it up with whatever. And you have to basically assume how many beers you're going to have over the course of the match because it seems to be that like you need to make that decision instantaneously because you're not getting into that line again. And then you get into the other damn line to pay for your beer, but not with cash with this, with this stupid car. So we sorted all of that out. Uh, I will say that I noticed a lack of a men's room on the way in, but I did notice those standing, those standing out outside pissers, you know, the, the urinals. If you've been to Amsterdam, they're out on every street corner, like the, you know, no privacy mm -hmm. whatsoever. Yeah. Just walk up, you know, drop trow and, and and you know get to get to do your business with the with the with the goings on of the city center <laughs> within earshot. Uh, so we get to our seats and 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 seats is is a is a is an exaggeration. I mean these are these are this is a bare concrete uh, uh, level where there's sort of plastic butt prints that have kind of been stapled or, or, or riveted onto the onto the concrete. So we get there and we sit down. 
uh, they're already wet, so our, our butts are already wet. We, we, we weren't, we weren't uh, uh, versed enough. Later on at halftime, I noticed all the hardcores were getting up, and uh, they had put newspapers down on the seats, which is the title of your, your podcast, but I hadn't listened to your podcast yet, so I didn't know that, that secret trick. And that's when I the ultras uh, started lighting their friends. And uh, you'll see in, in the video link, but I've I've never seen that kind of uh, smoke and flareage before. Now remember, this is a playoff game, first round. I believe. Uh, Ghent was much higher rated than uh, than and, uh, Antwerp was at the time, so they were they were underdogs, and uh, the they looked it felt like the stadium was burning down. It looks yeah that that video you sent it looks like I was wondering how how anybody could see out there. Well, there's black smoke everywhere. It was frightening. Yeah, no, it was it was it was pretty frightening. I mean, I wonder you can probably hear me cackling like an idiot in the background because I was shooting on the iPhone. I was just so impressed. I had never ever seen anything like that and that was kind of the vibe of the place it, it, it looks the the attendance looks like it's great and usually in you know the non-major european leagues you know the local team can have the sort of feeling of a passing fancy it looked did you know if this was good attendance because it was a playoff game or good attendance because that's what they do on a weekend in ghent or uh, antwerp i i don't i i mean i would be guessing i you know I, i'm go, going by uh, I mean, the Barca game that we saw was either the second last or the last game of La Liga versus Hitafe. So, I mean, it felt it felt packed, but everybody that was around our seats at the camp now were saying, "This is nothing. There's nobody here." Um, so, I, I have to I have to imagine that that was a, a, a higher attendance than than normal. I mean, I don't think there was an empty seat in the house, and there was a lot of people standing around. I mean, from my experience, those people were crazy passionate. Whether they were, you know, the Maple Leafs in the playoffs kind of passionate or the Weekend Warriors kind of passionate. It, the, you know what? Judging by the amount of people that already had those cards to get in, I would say that's a regular amount of attendance, if I had to guess. Um, because we seem to be the only people that didn't have one of those, one of those pre-existing uh, quick entry passes. Uh, yeah, so, you know... It was uh, it was a hell of a match, and uh, it was a real eye opener because I had I had never experienced that kind of um, I don't want to say uh, uh, it, it it met my expectations in terms of you know like a pre Hillsboro disaster kind of kind of ground, uh, and and you could feel the danger in the air, absolutely you could feel the danger in the air. I mean there were these two kids, they couldn't have been more than 14 15 and you know they had like that you know there's like that that ultras haircut and and they were just screaming at the top of their lungs they looked like they were they were out they were out for a, a good fight i mean you know the two of us were sitting there trying to look polite trying not to give away that we were cheering for the for the away side and uh yeah it, you know it it, it it was pretty scary and and every time I can't sit. I can't, this is a problem with me. I can't watch a football match live and not be vocal. I just, it just, it, you know, unless I really try and stop myself, I'm going to be. Oh, what are you doing? That's a free kick, right? So I'm there, English, you know, amongst all the Flemish people, uh, you know, trying, trying to cheer on the team, trying, trying desperately to, to cheer on the team I don't want to cheer on, 
and they're all looking at me like I'm American, and I'm not gonna, and I'm not gonna get up and and say, oh no, I'm actually Canadian. I'm a nice guy, but you could tell by the by the looks, they're like, you know, what what's this American guy doing sitting in here, chain smoking, uh, you know, trying to trying to be a football fan. And and so Antwerp is no, correct me if I'm wrong, the most populous city in Belgium, um, but its two teams are pretty bad. Um, you know, Royal Antwerp used to have an arrangement with Manchester United where they used to loan, loan a few of their players. I mean, Tom Heat and Ryan Shawcross, Johnny Evans and John O'Shea played there for a little bit. But they've fallen into the second tier at one stage. And you've also got Beershot, who DC United just got a manager from there, actually, uh, Hernan Lazada. Yeah, um, but they used to be called German or Beershot to make that name even better. But again, you know, a kind of like habitually a second tier team. Um, it it does the fandom match that? Like, is the fandom in in the city of Antwerp are they kind of like mm, there's a football match going on, or is the city kind of gripped by when there's a football match on? From your experience, oh no, they were they were in it to win it. They were they were well invested. I mean, they, that entire uh, side of the stadium where the where the flares were going off, it was it was. I mean, it, it, like I said, it's it's what I imagine Red Star Belgrade or I'm not mm-hmm. going to say Lazio match, but. Like it's it's what I imagine like a proper European ultra support nonstop chanting. Uh, some of it was really funny because it was like a patois of English and, and Flemish. But um, no, 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 that, it, it would that, that was a proper footy match. Everybody in there was was paying attention. Uh, everyone. What were ticket prices like? You mentioned the range. Like what were what are you paying to get in? I I think it was. I don't want to guess. Thirty to fifty euros a seat. Yeah, for a playoff game, I think that's, that's all right. Yeah, I think that's about right. And and you mentioned lining, you mentioned lining up for beer. Like, is it your, is it the the Jupiler or however the hell you Everything's say? Everything's Jupiler. Okay. Everything's so Jupiler. there's no there's League no left there's no Jupiler. Abbey beers there's no. There might have been a left Brun, um, but most of those beers are bottle conditioned, right? So they would have to they can't give you the bottle because that's a weapon. So they would have to pour it out. And I imagine that that would slow the line down pretty ridiculously. I, so. I do love that that uh, Stella Artois is treated like this classy beer here, but over there it's like the cheapest thing you could get. And uh, I, I, someone I know from Ireland, I think they in Ireland they call it wife beater, and he's like, yeah, it's piss. <laughs> you know, in the in the UK, like it's sadly called Stella Artois because it, like you know, because people just get a bit leery when they have a few beers. And yeah, Stella tried to. Um, market itself in the UK when I was growing up as like reassuringly expensive that was their, their whole yeah, yeah, yeah. brand and I, I remember as a little kid saying to my dad like why are they advertising being expensive that's not good and he's like oh it's supposed to kind of like signify that they're quality and stuff like that you pay for quality but good god that's a bad beer that. <laughs> I'll tell you this I'll tell you this Stella's brewed in Leuven even though it's now Anheuser-Busch or whatever and it's a huge fat or, or whoever owns it InBev I think it's actually InBev that owns them uh even though it's a big, huge, the the Stella in Leuven is better than any Stella I've ever had in my life. Well, it's, it's sort it, of like it's, uh, like Pilsner or Cal or however that is. Yeah, yeah. The yep. Czech Republic is really good here. It's just I've been <laughs> I've been to Prague. Yeah, it's the it's it's Pilsner. Yeah, Cal it's Prague stunning there. Ridiculous. It's stunning. I mean, yeah. Guinness in in Dublin is stunning. It's stunning. It's so it's so much better than anywhere else. It's it's absolutely insane. Um, but yeah, no, the beer the beer selection. Uh, even even at the at the camp new, uh, you know it's Estrella, and, and by that time we were so addicted to Estrella because 
in in Barcelona, there it's like Guinness in Dublin. I mean, that's that's what you have. Uh, you know, Belgium's weird because a lot of the a lot of their beers are huge beers. I mean, you know, Duvel's like an eight percent. You that's not a session beer, right? So you find, uh, and and Jupiler is is actually, you know, think about how good Belgian beer is, and then imagine a Belgian brewed. Molson Canadian and then you've got Jupiler like it's just it's obscenely delicious but it is macro swill it's just really 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 good macro swill um, <laughs> so I didn't mind it I mean by that time you know my wife and I are both huge beer snobs so and, and your palate is destroyed like you can't drink a ton of these one because it's very acidic and, and it's heartburn city um, so you know a, a good a good way to spot the real Belgians uh, is when you go to a bar, even especially in Brussels, you know, you go to these these tourist bars. The real Belgians are drinking Jupiler or Stella. Like they're not drinking the glasses that are you know funny shaped with a forty five percent Abbey beer in there. You know, taking snips for Instagram. They're they're just having a beer, right? So uh, I think that you know that it almost circles back to your other question: were the, were there hardcores or or tourists at the ground? And the fact that Jupiler was was being sold by the by the crate. I think would suggest that that it that it was a lot less touristy and a lot more hardcore. I will say this: I toured the whole ground and I could not find a team store. I ended up having to buy uh, a, an Antwerp scarf at like triple markup at some tourist hat store in, I think it was in Bruges actually, and I, I paid way too much for it, but I really wanted one because I had been to the ground, um, but I could not find a team store anywhere. I, I, I you know I would I maybe would have bought a kit. Uh, but uh, sort of like us in Bulgaria, yeah. where we couldn't find anything. Both Dan and I, we could no, not find any, uh, any well, team merchandise I mean, on sale. You know, we're, listen. I've brought I've brought a lot of my friends from across the pond to BMO to see TFC games, and uh, one of the things that they consistently comment is the availability of beer, the constant you know beer kiosks everywhere, like just spoiled for choice, and then the little the little boutique team stores that that sort of line. You know, uh, my friend Gavin said, "If you if you if you want to spend money, they'll take it." Whereas his experience at, at certain other grounds is, you know, if you want to spend money, you maybe will get dissuaded by that massive queue. So just keep your money. But but here, you know, if you if you if you got money to spend, someone will take it from you and exchange it for goods that you may not need later. Uh, but yeah, I thought I thought that was really 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 weird. Did you eat anything? Did you eat anything there? You mentioned you had pregame flight. Um, no, we ate we ate at the bar beforehand and uh, uh, fries and mayonnaise. I think, no, at that <laughs> it was kind of hot. So you know, in my uh, no French tacos either. But uh, no, I think I had I think I had that that Belgian stew, which is almost like a like a brisket in like a like almost like a beef bourguignon. It's almost like liquid beef bourguignon. It's really 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 good. It fill, it fills you up. It gets stuck in your craw. Uh, the food the food there was I mean from what I saw around it was it was pretty nice. The food at uh, Camp Nou is incredible. It's that uh, you know it's like that 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 sandwich with the manchego cheese and that sort of pureed tomato spread. But you can get that gourmet style in the stadium. It's fantastic. Uh, you know you can't go wrong with frites in Belgium. Even there they like you know as long as they're double fried in in, in tallow you're good to go and that that is you know i don't think anybody does it any other way there so the fries look tasty um the meatballs look tasty uh there, there was a there was an emphasis on food that i wouldn't 
I wouldn't be comfortable eating sitting down. And I, I definitely wouldn't be comfortable eating with, with a cigarette in the other hand. I don't know how they were doing it, but uh, definitely people were eating. But, I mean, it was a lot of drinks. People were coming into the, you know, coming off the, uh, coming back into the, into the section. You know, they were, it looked like Oktoberfest, right? People were like, and they weren't cheap drinks either. I think, I think it would be, you know, a standard cup, maybe not a pint, but like a 12-ounce cup with something like six or seven euros. So that ain't cheap. Um, and you know, the second you go to Europe, or at least the second I go to Europe, I stop doing the exchange. I just let, I just let the shock hit me when I get back home. But, uh, uh, yeah, it it wasn't cheap and, uh, people were buying them in multiples. So I I think that might've been, I think that might've been the, uh, the, the, the rationale behind those beer cards, because when you're dropping cash on that counter, you know what you're spending, but when it's, it's magic plastic imaginary money, you can, you know, you're buying rounds for everybody. So I, I think that, I think that's why they did it. Um, yeah, yeah. I've got notes on, on leaving, which was very interesting because I, uh, I said that the, uh, getting out of camp now, uh, was really easy getting out of this place. Not at all easy. I mean, the, the line seemed to snake off in myriad different directions. And we only realized as we were moving through it, that we were maybe in the lineup for the women's washroom. And then sort of, we sort of <laughs> segued over and, and realized another couple spaces that we were in the lineup for the, the beer, uh, the beer place. So once we figured out where we were going, we got out easier, but it was a very long walk. And uh, I think my favorite thing about it was that there were all these bikes just thrown around along the side of this very little, na- uh, this very little na- al- uh, alleyway that was fenced on both sides that, that got you out of the stadium. So it was a, it was about a 500 meter walk and, uh, all these bikes were there and I'm like, well, what are these bikes doing? And then people in front of us would sorely like just kind of subtly grab their bike. Like they had left it there for afterwards because they didn't want to lock it up out front where it would get stolen. So they had figured out a way to get it there so they could like, you know, basically just grab it on their way out of the ground. And I thought that was fantastic. Um, for us, it wasn't so fantastic because the one place we didn't know public transit very well. Um, we eventually mastered it, but at that point we were still kind of newbies and, uh, you know, the, the, the tram to get back to the train to take us back to Brussels. Uh, there were so many people there and it was just getting busier and busier and busier and no tram was arriving. Then one arrived and it quickly filled up and, you know, uh, uh, there was no logic to it. Like we were in line, like the polite Canadians that we are, and then people just burst through, and and then you know, oh, this tram's full, and took off. And when's the next one coming? Nobody knows. So we eventually decided to just spring for a for a cab, and uh, uh, got into the cab. And of course, the guy that told us about the cab was like, hey, do you mind if I if I tag along? So he got a free cab ride. Uh, and, and the funny <laughs> thing about it was was uh, was on the way on the way to the train station. Uh, the, the, the guy that was driving the cab asked us, you know, oh, oh you, you saw the Antwerp game. And, and uh, I don't know how we got there, but I ended up talking about uh, uh, Club Bruges. And he was like, oh, yeah. I said, uh, we're from Toronto, because he obviously asked. And and, uh, and uh, he said, oh, oh, Victor Vasquez, he used to play for you. We, we love him. I'm a huge Club Bruges fan. I was like, so you know TFC already. This is fantastic. I think he was the first guy I asked. Hey, do you think I should go to Genk and just pose in front of the stadium? He's like, "Don't you dare!" <laughs> if, you, if you like life, don't you dare. Um, 
so yeah, I, I, uh, that was that was our experience, and and I wouldn't trade it for anything. I was it was fantastic. That was that was one of the. Uh, uh, I'm really I'm really glad I got to do it, and I'm really thankful my wife allowed me to do it because it, it, I think we were two days removed from her from her birthday, and uh, and you know she didn't need to be there, and and it was scary. I'm not gonna lie, it was it was scary. It got it got a little ornery in, in times, and uh, you know that that's that wasn't her style. So so I was I was pretty 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 pleased that she allowed me to do it. Um, uh, whereas he could you know both speak Dutch and French, or well, I suppose they call Dutch Flemish over there, but it's pretty much Dutch. Yeah. Um, and also German's an official language as well, but I, I know yeah, it's much yeah, less you, spoken. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. Do, 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 do you witness the divides in that? I mean, do you, or, or is oh, it yeah. kind of like Montreal where you hear, hear people speaking different languages like down the street? I mean, like, how distinct is that? It's pretty distinct. It's very distinct. Um, in, in a way that I don't, I don't think, I don't think Montreal is a good a good approximation it's very very distinct because i mean the low countries you know those maps are redrawn almost daily right and uh uh the influence of of germany the influence of, of france um and then of course there's the you know something something that that dawned on us while we were there and we had we had it sort of confirmed by by people in conversation was Flemish Dutch is a much harder language to learn than French, much harder. So, there you know, it it, it there it's it's a much it's you'll you'll find a lot more Flemish people that can also speak French than you'll find Wallonians that can speak French and and uh, and Dutch, um, and that's sometimes misread as a reluctance or an arrogance on the part of the Fre of the native French speakers to learn the other language. And I won't discount it. Nothing. No, there's no such thing as black and white. But it is, in some cases, tagged as arrogance, where and ignores the fact that that language is is really difficult to learn. Um, you know, uh, and the sentence structure is different. Verb conjugation is insane. Uh, compound, compound. What is it? Compound verbs or compound vowels or, or that thing that's compound nouns. I think. Which is alien. Yeah, compound nouns. Which is alien. An absolute alien. Um, so, so there's a higher level of difficulty, uh, but you know, you would see it like for for instance Brussels. Um, you hear a lot. I mean, you hear a lot of languages in Brussels because it's a, you know it's a very uh, uh, multiculti, melting pot kind of place. But you hear a lot more French than you would Dutch. But then you cross into Anderlecht, which is a suburb of Brussels. Uh, a lot of people would would say it's its own city, but it isn't. It's part of Brussels, and it's almost entirely. Dutch that you hear that uh, so it in many ways it is almost like it's weird euro like that like it is almost like one blocks French and one blocks Dutch um, I think you've explained why they can't ever come to terms on a government and it's always essentially two sides where wasn't it yeah. like they, they went a whole year without ever coming to after an election without ever settling on a government yeah 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 um, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of animosity some of it makes sense. Some of it is com is completely insane. Uh, just from my view, uh, I mean, I don't I don't have to live I don't live there, and I'm not a native Belgian. But uh, there's a lot of animosity. There's a lot of hurt feelings. There's a lot of um, claims of, of inequality with respect to you know what who gets funding and and, and, and how uh, the population's represented in, in government and stuff like that. And it's a it's a going concern. Um, 
certainly uh, 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 Antwerp, I, you know, I generally heard a lot of Dutch uh, in, in, in the stadium. I, I would have been surprised if I had heard any French in there. So, you know, you, there are examples. It's not like when you go to the grocery store and you pick up a tube of toothpaste and it's got the English and the French translation on it, right? It, it would, it would, it's generally one or the other, and I think that's just down to import laws, right? Like here, you know, we've got a government that's mandated from the get-go. Uh, if you're going to sell products here, you, your packaging needs to be bilingual. I think there they just said, look, we don't want to toss that expense on, on all of this Euro shipping, so just give us what you got. People will know it's toothpaste, and who cares? So. I can't say I can't say if one's better than the other, but but, um, and then you know you'll 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 see signs in French in the French speaking parts road signs, and then you'll see there, there's almost no allowances made for the other in, in in a lot of respects. So so you you know you can't help but feel the tension if that if that makes sense. Yeah, hundred percent. It's uh, it is one of those countries that fascinates me. Where like I, I've been to Flanders, and I've mm -hmm. been to Ypres or Ypres, Ypres, however the hell you say it. Passchendaele. You've been to, uh, yeah. Oh, okay. And uh, you know, there's it, you know, there's just sort of the Flemish spelling where Ypres, where you get I Y P R E S is I E P E R yeah. there, and it's just it's it, you know for for the tourist for the the uninitiated, it's it's kind of delightfully confusing. But I guess if you live there, <laughs> it speaks to something a little deeper. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, sometimes we got cities wrong because we were using the French uh, terminology and uh, we were getting directed to another place that closely matched the Flemish terminology, so we ended up going, you know, but that, but once we once you master the, the transit system there, and it is, a, you know, like Europe, it's a very train-based transit system, really good bus systems, uh, you know, we barely ever had to take an Uber. Uh, and the only time we did was probably because we were too drunk to figure out how to how to navigate the train. Um, but you know, one, once you crack that code, and, and there is a there is a learning curve. Uh, I do remember being in the Brussels train station at like three in the morning when we first arrived, trying to figure out how the hell to purchase tickets. You know, the typical year. And and uh, uh, but you know, once we cracked that, we were fine. Um, but yeah, like such such. You know, we went. Top, like I said, we went top to bottom. So, you know, Brussels is terrific. It, it, it's, it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a vibrant, cosmopolitan, modern city. Uh, all the amenities that you could want, you know, all the, all the nightclubs, all the, all the shopping, all, uh, all, the, all the cuisine that you could want. But you can also go to any bar and get, uh, you know, Westphalen uh, 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 12, right? You know, you, like you can... You can get your your Orval uh, or or a, a Lambic, you know, uh, by the glass, and and that was one of the reasons why we went there because we're such crazy beer aficionados. Um, you know, uh, Bruges was a bit of a disappointment because it's a, it, it you know, it, it's a postcard. Uh, Ghent is is just as beautiful as Bruges. I would I would say even more so, but it's a functioning town as opposed to a tourist trap, right? You know, Ghent. Uh, is just as pretty, but you don't feel like you're being taken advantage of, and and and, and you know a, an ice cream cone is, is is triple markup sort of thing because you're you're just there for the for the tourism economy. Uh, you know, Leuven is is gorgeous. Leuven's uh, maybe one of the oldest uh, Catholic universities in all of Europe, so it it you know it feels like U of T is a town, 
uh, and it's and there's this huge quadrangle where it's just bars on either side, and you know the the the, the outdoor seating is about 60 deep on either side, and and you know students just rock up and they bring their own you know they bring their own uh, meals, but they'll order from the bar. Um, where else did we go? Liege uh, is 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 awful nice. Uh, 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 now the name escapes me, but there's a there's a French town uh, by the name it starts with a T. I, I think it's oh man, am I ever fading? But it was it was lovely. Uh, lots of lots of really nice vistas, lots of wonderful things to see. Uh, Ostend, which was uh, like their port town, has a, a vaguely Mediterranean feel, which was which was neat. Uh, Yupin was kind of a was kind of a dump, uh, but we needed to see it because it's the capital of the the German speaking part of Belgium, and I, I wanted to see what that was all about. It had kind of a a, a Lederhosen Oktoberfest kind of feel, but but not really. I mean, you know, it was probably a, a pale uh, impersonation of proper Germany. So, you know, I've you no, know, I was kind of looking through Belgian music. I'm a bit of a music guy, and um, there's the odd. Well, there's like the odd, like, you know, artists that's come from there. I think the most notable, like, over the last decade is probably Strome. Um, you know, mm -hmm. the biggest hit by Strome is uh, A Laws and Dance, which is, you know, it's, you know, it's decent dance tunes and stuff like that. His music videos are awesome. You know, if you want to take some, you know, spend half an hour watching his music videos, especially Tuesday Mem is an incredible video. But, you know, yeah. it, like, the artists that come from there, like, they're kind of few and far between. I mean, how musical does Belgium feel? Well, if you watched Eurovision, Hoover Phonic were uh, were the the uh, the voucher, and Hoover Phonic were signed to Sony Music at, at one time, which was really really interesting. Why they would record a Eurovision song that Eurovision owns in perpetuity, and they'll never make any money off of. Um, you know, the early, I think it wasn't Technotronic. Technotronic's Dutch, proper proper Dutch from from the Netherlands, but quite a few of those early '90s uh, uh, house house bands that broke commercially like almost went pop were from the low countries so uh you know maybe snap you know maybe snap were belgian i i don't want to i don't want to speak for them generally uh you know like most of europe it's it's american music that's on the pop charts and, and stuff like that uh but they do have i i wouldn't because they get to they get you know they can absorb stuff that comes out of the Netherlands, they can absorb stuff that comes out of Germany, they can absorb stuff that comes out of France. They don't necessarily spend as much on, on the arts. Uh, you know, I've seen quite a few Belgian feature films that I thought were French, and then years later realized, oh, actually, they were almost entirely Belgian. Uh, and I think that that would be the same, you'd be surprised in the same way. Aren't those guys German? No, wait, actually, they're Belgian. Or... or you know, aren't those guys Dutch? No, actually, they're Belgian. Uh, but, you know, they, they, they definitely have their own talk shows because we saw uh, Robbie Van Persie's uh, retirement tour. I didn't, I couldn't understand a word of it, but I did see his, his talk show appearances. Uh, we actually got to watch Eurovision live uh, that year in Europe, which was fantastic. And I, I do think we got to vote even, which was great. Uh, but you know the stuff on the radio is the same old, same old. You know if Taylor Swift's got a got a single that's charting, it's going to be on there. Uh, you know if uh, if there was a lot of Christian music imported from the states, that was something I noticed. There was a there was a music video channel that was almost all like Christian rock and Christian pop. 
some of it was European, so we would assume Dutch and, and German and stuff like that, but quite a bit of it was American, so that, that was a surprise. But generally speaking, I mean, I, we didn't catch any shows there. We just didn't have any time. And if and quite honestly, if we were had gone to a concert, we would have gone to Primavera Sound in, in Spain because we were there around that time, and, and that's a festival. That's like the Spanish Glastonbury, so we, we would have done that. I, my, my, my mind keeps wandering back to what you were saying where the locals don't do the, the fancy Abbey beers and all that. Did you have a chance to get to any of the Abbeys? Because I, uh, it's not oh, yeah. available anymore. St. Bernardus has a Christmas ale that I, for whatever reason, I love, and I haven't seen it here in years. So St. Bernardus is, is, is pop trash. I just gotta, <laughs> I gotta tell you. Um, St. Bernardus is copying uh, the beer, the, the actual Trappist beer, West Belavin, uh, uh, they make an eight and a twelve. Saint Bernardus twelve. They uh, what eventually. The, what happened is, is that at some point the the monks in that monastery decided they didn't want to brew beer anymore. So they sold their recipes to a commercial property, who also imported a little bit of the yeast that they were using at the time. And then they went to town and they and they brewed Saint Ber- Saint Bernardus is the reason why that we now have a distinction between Abbey beers and Trappist beers because. They were, they were selling it like it was a Trappist beer. But to be a Trappist beer, it needs to be made by monks and, and it needs to be made, uh, the, the profits need to be uh, towards the fulfillment of the monastery. It can't be a commercial enterprise. Well, anyway, West Velavin decided that they would get back into brewing. Now, you cannot buy this beer anywhere but the brewery, ostensibly. So before we went to Belgium, my wife and I, we were actually doing work and and the plan was we were going to rent a car and actually drive from where we were staying that was closest to this West Belavin place and buy they have a gift shop that's open sporadically where you can buy I think individual bottles and then they have the brewery where you can drive up uh, give them money and buy a 12 pack of of proper bottles Uh, and uh, and then I think that they they have a record so that you can't keep going back and buying more and more and more and you're not supposed to sell it anywhere else. Well, we quickly realized that you can buy it anywhere. Any corner store has it, even though they're not supposed to sell it. They've got it right out in the window. It's a very easy bottle to recognize because it's like an old Coke bottle and it's got no labels or anything on it. Uh, so, and I, I think it was about 19 euros. Uh, the case would have been, we actually went to um, Prenup Pub uh, on College Street before we left because they were selling bottles the last time the LCBO did a release here. So we bought a bottle for about 30 bucks. We tried it. It was delicious. Um, but we knew that it, that it was old enough that we were probably going to want to have some newer that, that hadn't been sitting on a shelf for as long as that, that beer had been sitting here. Uh, and so we ended up just going to a corner store and buying it off the gray market for about 19 euros. And uh, it's, I mean, if you like St. Bernardus, Imagine that beer with no alcohol burn, as smooth as a lager, and there you are. It's fantastic. But the, because the alcohol is imperceptible, it's very, very dangerous. You could have, you could have about five of those, and then you're inventing your own language, right? Like you just, you, it's an imperceptible alcohol burn, and that's Michael Jackson, uh, the guy who who basically made beer famous, like his his style guides. Uh, he that's his favorite beer in, on in on the planet. Now a it's a hipster beer, right? I think most of the reason that it's so popular is because it's so hard to get. Uh, but I will say that I, it, it's not something that I, it, it's not even in my top 10 uh, because I'm not 
my Trappist phase was a long time ago. Uh, I don't I don't really like big beers like that. You know, if it's 12% alcohol by volume, I know what it's going to do to me, and I'm not 22 anymore. So I'm, you know what I mean. I'm just I tend to shy away. But that that beer was was worth trying. Uh, yeah, you know, people in Belgium will drink their their favorite tipple, uh, and you know, Be Belgium is weird because every beer has its own branded glass, and some of them are completely bat like completely insane you know ones that look like test tubes that were where gravity is is sort of playing into how you drink it and there's a proper way to drink it and it's the kind of glass that it has its own wooden case because it won't sit flat on a table sort of thing so there's a lot of fanfare with some of these some of these belgian beers um but you know generally speaking the 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 real heavy drinkers will avoid those like the plague because one and you're done um you know so you, you see it but I would say 50 to 60% are people there on vacation. Honestly. It's almost the same as, as, uh, as Amsterdam with, with, with grass. You know, most, most people at the coffee shops in Amsterdam don't live in Amsterdam. Right? The people that live in Amsterdam, they buy it and they take it home because they don't have to be there. So, uh, you know, it, it's probably not the best uh, comparison because again these beers are bottle conditioned uh, and you know the glassware does enhance the taste the brewery swears by it so uh, in some cases uh, people would go out to, to have it but you know they would probably chase it down with five or six jupilers because they're delicious <laughs> <laughs> all right daniel anything else no i don't think i have like i like belgium was always on my wish list and it was I'd probably say more so when I went through you know, a massive Belgian beer phase myself mm -hmm. about five, you know, probably about six or seven years ago. Like I was desperate to get over there. And yeah. since that kind of subsided and like, like you, I kind of go for the more like, you know, lower percentage um, because I'd rather just have a few beers and try, try out a few things rather than just be absolutely nailed by one. Yeah, I yeah, kind yeah. of like, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of messed up the kind of beer dictates that I don't want to go to Belgium as much anymore. But it's kind of made me rethink because I just think culturally... Belgium is very unique compared to a lot of um, countries in Europe, particularly Western Europe. Mm -hmm. um, and you definitely piqued my interest uh, from that perspective for sure. Well, do you like sour beers? Have you have you hit the sour beer bug yet? I yeah, yeah, I like I like sour beers. My missus loves sour beers. Um, like I'm not absolutely mad for them. You know, I I kind of like one um, during you know during the night. I won't like to drink multiple. Well, this is six point. This is six point two five. But I mean, this beer can't be made anywhere but Belgium. It's spontaneously fermented, so it's brewed, and then they put it out in what's called a cool ship, which is like a beer swimming pool, and it's left open to the elements. So wild yeast and and all those critters like Lactobacillus get into the beer, and it ferments naturally, and then it's aged. Uh, you know, so can, brewery Cantillon, which is in Anderlecht, which. Uh, you know, is absolutely the hipster Lambic brewery. Uh, there is stuff there that you can't, they won't let you leave the brewery with. So, I mean, my wife and I were going, the last day we were in Belgium, we were there at seven in the morning drinking eight, 8% 8 alcohol by volume, you know, uh, fermented on, uh, what was, what was the nap? It was fermented on rhubarb. So it was a, it was a Belgian spontaneously wow. fermented uh, Lambic ale wow. that was aged on fresh rhubarb. And it was about 30 euros for the bottle, but you don't, you can't leave the brewery with it. So, you know, we, we were very familiar with, with the stuff you can get 
on really high markup here. You know, the, the Krik, which is fermented on, on cherries, and the, the Gerza, which is, um, which is fermented. Uh, it is, it's spontaneously fermented, but it's a blend, almost like a, like a good blended single malt scotch, blended from different vintages in their, in their barrels. And they don't clean their, their, their barrel houses either because, you know, it's the magic fairies of whatever flora and fauna are in there. So there's thousand-year-old cobwebs all over the place that they won't touch. Like, these, these places are very, very, very superstitious about that sort of thing. Um, so, you know, when you, get, when you become seriously into uh, spontaneously fermented wild Belgian ale, you have to go to Belgium. There's no other place you can get this sort of thing. So it was kind of a no-brainer for us. Um, and, you know, we went to two football games, but I can't tell you how many brewery tours we went on. I mean, we went, we went to <laughs> every last... I cannot tell you how many brewery tours we went on and how many times we went back. And, and I'll tell you this, it's great value. If you want to eat and not break the bank, they do charcuterie uh, plates for like five euros with your beers. So, you, you know, you buy a wow. euro bottle of beer, but then you're eating forever because you get like a bag of bread, you know, proper sourdough about this big, plate of sausages and cheese that will last you a lifetime. Uh, that, that's kind of like a good hack if you, if you, if you want to tour Belgium on a budget. The tours aren't cheap. Beer ain't cheap. But the food is cheap because they don't want you stumbling out of there. <laughs> I think they don't want you stumbling out of there to make sure that you're fed. Um, but yeah, yeah, like I, I, I heartily recommend it. And, and there's a lot to see. There's a lot to see. And it's, it's a, it, the, the, the population's pretty welcoming as long as they know you're Canadian. The, the, on first blush, they'll think you're an American just there to, to you know, get your Americanness all over everything. But uh, when, once they realize that you're not, uh, and I think that applies to most of Europe or, or anywhere, really, <laughs> with, with this accent. Uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah, well, I, I would heartily recommend it. Well, you've made me hungry and thirsty, and so I should probably, <laughs> should probably wrap this up so that I can go take care of that. I agree. <laughs> Thanks for letting me chat with you guys. I'm a big fan of your – I'm a huge fan of your podcast, man. It makes me miss traveling. So, uh, you know, I'm glad to have, have contributed to it in, in, in whatever way I could. Thanks, Jeff, so much for joining us, Dan. Uh, we'll, we'll do another one, Dan, coming up soon. No, thanks for listening, everyone. And honestly, if you feel like you've visited one of our places better than we have, please tell us and we'll, uh, we'll be put right for sure. We, we always love chatting offline. So once again, uh, another episode in the books. Thanks again for joining us, everybody.